Father, we thank you. We thank you for the ability to take several moments to think about your business and to think about your kindness, to trust you for who you are, Father. Oh, okay. I'm going to take your message away. Because I don't want that all your promises. Do you know how you are? Extraponentially yes, talking to me on Wednesday? Yeah. That's what I'm going to do. Thank you for goodness. It's in you already. Okay. You don't need this. Let's all take it. Okay. Whatever you need to sit down, you need to stand. I will take it. Time no, I will take it. Keep your notes for later. Keep your notes for later. Because it's in you. Okay. Yeah. Don't let me distract you.
God, we thank you that your promises are all yes and amen. We bless your name, Lord God, for your word. Your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We receive the entrance of your word in our hearts this morning and they give us light. Thank you, Father God, that no matter where we've been, whether we're in the bottomless, bottomless pit or not, that we are coming up, we're triumphant, we are victorious because of your provision in and through Christ Jesus. Thank you, Father God. We are honored and we bless you now. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we're going to continue with our kingdom conversation. And I want to invite back to the podium with me, Miss Ibadi Andrew, 
Amen. And uh, I have a, another very pleasant uh, surprise and guest. Uh, if Joseph Andrew would join us at this time, please. Amen. Everybody, right here. Please give her a hand clap. It's not easy. Amen. What she's doing is not easy. Amen. Praise God. Let's encourage her. Hallelujah. Amen. You heard what she said about coming up on the platform. It is no joke. Amen. And even for me, yours truly, I've been doing this for a while, but each time I have to get up before you guys, <laughs> I see tremble. Hallelujah. Amen. It's just that trembles have different sizes. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Good. Joseph Andrews, please come up. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Let me, let me, I'm, I'm just going to, yeah. Amen. Amen. Please take a seat. Amen. All right. Let me just switch gears a little bit here. I, I want us to get a little more direct. Uh, again, everybody, thank you so much. I appreciate your courage. I thank you for uh, you coming forward and just helping us understand uh, what happens. And uh, Prof. Joseph, it's good, to, it's good to welcome you. Thank you very much. Thank you very uh, I, I tell you guys, because I worked very closely with them during this period of their life, I've always told Joseph and Ibadi how much I admire them. Uh, those of you that were not close or did not have the privilege of knowing what was happening when it was happening may not understand what I'm saying. Believe me. And I kept on telling him, I said, man, how did you survive that? How, how did you manage that whole situation? So we're going to address that in a minute from your perspective. But Sister Ibadi, take me back. So we know you took the chemotherapy because you did not rest. It triggered this depressive uh, uh, impulse in you. Let me ask you a question. This is the million-dollar question. At what point in the process did you realize that something was wrong? The reason I'm asking that question, there may be many of us here or watching at home, and because it has never been diagnosed, they've never seen a doctor, they say, you know what, this is what you're dealing with. They are struggling on a day-to-day -day basis, and they don't know exactly what is happening to them. That's number one. When did you know? Number one. And number two, did you, did you readily accept that this is what, what was happening? Okay, after a couple of months, after my treatment and surgery, I did discover that I was always lethargic, you know? And I just got tired all the time, and I thought, oh, maybe it was due to the chemotherapy. But I noticed that the tiredness wasn't just physical. It was something in the mind. Mm. I wake up, I just don't want to get up from the bed. I just lack that inertia. You know, inertia, that's that thing that moves every living thing, you know? So you wake up, you want to go check your keys, go prepare breakfast, go do this. That just persisted. I was like, oh, this will go away. Oh, this will go away. But it did not go away. And after some time, I began to like think, oh, maybe this is some kind of demonic <laughs> uh, attack. attack. You know, maybe this. So I'm praying, believing God, 
And uh, my husband will tell me sometimes, you know, why don't we go and see your doctor? I'll be like, there's nothing wrong. Leave me alone, you know? I'm just tired. I, I, it will, I will get over it. I'm going to slip it off. I'm going to do this. And a few times I went to the doctor. The doctor will kind of, you know, prescribe some medication for me. And I'll be like, you know, there's nothing wrong with me. You know, I'm just tired. But the tiredness was just out of the ordinary. And it was even difficult for me to think that it was something that was wrong with my brain. You know, I just attributed it to a physical tiredness. But eventually, I mean, it got to the point where I was just really feeling very crappy, like I'm in a bottomless pit. I, I'm kind of losing a sense of touch with myself. You know, at that point, especially also with the fathers, I already know about this, um, this disease, you know, and I have read it the, uh, uh, theoretically, you know. I, I, it took me a long time to accept that it's, uh, it's, it's a mental problem. I mean, there were some times when I will probably say something, and my husband will say, oh, you, you're saying, you're talking rubbish. You're doing this. I'm like, I'll tell you, you're the one talking rubbish. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you know, it is very difficult for somebody going through a mental illness to really accept it. Okay. It's very difficult because you just think it's, it, it will go away. You will snap out of it. And you really do everything you think you can do to snap out of it. It just won't go. It will push you to the point where, like I said, you feel a perpetual lump in your chest. It's just there as if something is pushing you down. And if it was possible, you want to put your hand in, inside your body and pull it out. I'm just wrapping and throw it away. But you cannot. You can cut that, depress that depressive feeling. Amen. But eventually, you went to see a doctor. Eventually, I went to see a doctor. How would you describe that treatment? And, and before she does that, again, I want to emphasize that the fact that you've seen a doctor does not mean you are weak in faith. It is important you debunk that myth in your head. We must understand the role and the place of praying, doing the spiritual things, and doing the physical, common sense, sensible things. Let me give another scripture, because it's important for us to understand the realm and the scope of what we're dealing with. In John chapter 11, in verse 43 and 44, John chapter 11, verse 43 and 44, and I'm saying this and I'm stressing this because it's important for you not to just suffer in silence, suffer in, uh, in what I want to call almost foolishness to think that because you are praying, you are fasting. Are you kidding me? You are praying and fasting? Look at what Jesus did. In John chapter 11, verse 43. Now, when he had said these things, verse 43, please. These guys, are, they, are too, they are faster than me. Now, when he had said these things, he cried with a loud, loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. Now, this is Jesus, the Son of God. He's at the tomb. He's praying. And in his prayer, he commanded Lazarus to come forth. Verse 44. 
And he who had died came out bound, hand and foot with grave clothes. So in other words, Lazarus rose from the dead. And his face was wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, loose him and let him go. Oh, wait, 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 wait. The man has risen from the dead. But that was all Jesus was going to do. He's done what we cannot do. He called the man out of the grave. Come out of the grave. He now told those that were around, now I've done my part. If you want to continue to see Lazarus, you lose him from, lose the grave place off of him. If they did not do it, Lazarus will still be bound to today. Your healing has been provided for. He was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. The price for our peace was upon him. By his stripes, we were, past tense, healed. It's already done. But in order for it to manifest, you need to do your part. And your part in this case is, go see a doctor, take your medication, follow the instruction you are given. Why? Because the doctor working together with God brings forth a manifestation. It is important you get that. So now you went to the doctor. Please don't forget what the doctor told you. And if you forget, I'll, I'll trigger your memory okay. about religion. Okay. Good. <laughs> this is important. <laughs> okay. I remember what the doctor told me. Yes. But I want to make a statement here. Yes. I personally, and I know a lot of scientists, will tell you that science is the study of what God has made. Hey. Thank you. Is this we are studying and discovering what God has made. Amen. And it will surprise you to know that one of the most precious metal in the world or stone is diamond. Okay. It's very expensive. Do you know that the same number of atoms, electrons, and neutrons in diamond is the same thing that is in charcoal. Charcoal, the one that's in Enugu. <laughs> is this, they are the same elements. Carbon and diamond are the same elements. What is the difference? Why ah. is one precious and one almost uh, worthless? <laughs> Because of the way God arranged the electrons in it, it makes one comes out shining, the other one is black. and the other one is black and almost useless. If we go down to the elements, we see that when atoms are, uh, sorry, electrons are arranged in the nucleus, they are arranged in opposite direction and they rotate in opposite ways we're not talking of elements now we're talking of atoms and electrons it happens in every element of the periodic table is god that did that for me i believe god is a detailed god yes and god is a god of knowledge it's a scientist God is a scientist. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So the honors falls on us to understand yes. what God did. Yes. 
That's why when I started, I said the, the Bible is, is a story about people, not just a story of tossing the Lord, a story of do this, do that. God is detailed. We need to have knowledge. And that's why the Lord said, my people perish for lack of knowledge. And pastor talking about uh, what the doctor said to me. Part of the symptoms, I don't know if I should go there first or just answer this question. Answer the question, please. And I will go there later. Yeah. Part of the symptoms are you get a lot of perceptions. You get a lot of even delusions sometimes. And those perceptions can be very religious. And when oh, my... Oh, oh, don't lose a thought. Oh. Mm. If you already have a religious bent, bent, don't miss this point. Don't miss this point. If you already have a religious bent, bent. you are a strong spiritual person. One of the areas that this thing will manifest is what she's talking about. It will, will be, Please go on. Yeah, it will be religion. And I remember my doctor telling me then, he said, I know you are in the medical profession, you, we, we do a lot of reading and a lot of, uh, you know, uh, we do a lot of reading. He said, but I want to advise you, try to reduce your reading and be, try to be lighthearted. And also try not to read a lot of religious book because sometimes some of those religious books can mess with the wrong perception that you already have. Now I understand why King Agrippa told Paul, too much knowledge has made you mad. <laughs> no, seriously. Seriously, it's, it's important we get that. And yeah. Going, yeah, going, going further, uh, one of uh, the, uh, the symptoms of we call uh, bipolar depression. Bipolar depression is somebody who is very depressed at a certain time, and at another time, the person becomes highly manic or expressive. Yes, yes. One of the major uh, uh, symptoms of that is what we call grandiose ideations and expansive self-esteem. Some of those people might even feel that God is talking to them. Some of those people might even think they have seen in Jamaica hmm. and he has given them instruction to do something. It is a symptom. It's, and those people, they actually believe this. It is real to them, just like light and day is real to you. There are some people they, they can't sleep. There are some people, they will just stay awake. They will, you see them reading a lot. Uh, uh, when I was in Lut in Nigeria, we had this student that uh, had, a, had a, that challenge. He used to read, he used to stay in the, in the, in the uh, reading room and just be reading dictionary. Wow. And the guy would just produce that thing for you. But we knew he had a challenge, he had a problem. And the school didn't really want to expel him. And you see, raising thoughts. You, you are trying to say something, another thought is coming in. You know, people are suicidal. And there's even this way you call sexual persecutory. In which case, a partner would believe that her partner is promiscuous, he's having affairs. 
when that even does not happen. Those are some of the excessive symptoms of bipolar depression. So did the visit to the doctor help you at all and how? How, how soon did you start seeing any relief? Yeah, when you get into management, uh, what a good doctor will first tell you, you know, they will take you through a lot of um, questionnaires. Yes. I have some of them here, yeah. and I was showing pastor. Yeah. You go through some questionnaires. How do you feel in the past two weeks? How do you enjoy life? This, that, that. And that's another thing I want to say. When you are in, really in that depressive state, you actually lose the ability to enjoy. You know, like if you used to like ice cream, you eat ice cream, ice cream will be like shaft in your mouth. You just, you, you just have an inability to enjoy. And you'll be wondering. So it's like the doctor will give you all these questionnaires, you will go through them, the doctor will score you and know what scale, you know, it's your depression, if it is a mild one, if it's a clinical one, and different kind of a mental, you know, uh, diseases, and they will advise you. You are going to take this medication, but because of the way this medication acts, it takes a while. Okay. Before you can begin to see improvement. Amen. Amen. It takes a while because it's trying to correct the messages in your brain. It sometimes it took a, it, it takes a while for those messages to be distorted and impaired. So it, it does take a while for them to be um, corrected. And that's another thing with also antidepressants and so many others, uh, psychotropic drugs. You, what works for you might not work for another person. Hmm. You might take one and somebody took Prozac and the person is, you know, just turned the cup. You might take it for the next three months, it might not work for you. The doctor will analyze you, give you another one. and. I, I, I went through quite a bit of them, and uh, they, were not, they were not seem to be working. And that's another major problem with especially young people. When you're taking a medication, you, it's not working. You know, it gets to the point where you're like, you know what, this medication is not working, and I don't even think I'm ever going to get better. Maybe I should just kill myself. Hmm. Because it gets to the point where you actually ask yourself, am I ever going to be okay again? Mm. Am I ever going to feel the way I used to feel? And then you are taking this medication, it doesn't seem to be working. But it takes time before you begin to actually see you know, clinical uh, help from the medication. It might be like two weeks to four weeks, but the doctor will just tell you, be patient. Amen. Be patient. Amen. It does, it does help. Okay. But again, we, we also have to pray. We also have to know who we are in Amen. Christ. Absolutely. Amen. We, we have to believe that no matter the state we are, just like somebody suffering from cancer, yes. somebody suffering from heart attack, God is with us. Amen. Amen. That's a very, very good point. And before I take the first question, let me just... Uh, let me just ask uh, uh, Prof. Uh, Joseph Andrews uh, to speak for the rest of the family. When this was happening, Prof, how did this affect 
the stability of your home? Million dollar question. Um, like my, my wife has told you, let's give God praise for it. She's, she's done an excellent job to God with the glory. And I can say like Joseph said in Egypt, the devil meant it for evil. Yes. God is turning around for Amen. 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 You know what? I, I don't like the way your mic is sounding. Can, this, can you guys turn this on and you can turn that one off? Because there's a... You guys can hear it, well? Yeah, they can hear it. So I'm the one that's suffering here. Okay, no problem. <laughs> I'll suffer for you guys, no problem. Okay, go ahead. So, it was very disturbing. Like my wife said, she's very strong. She believes she can handle a lot of things. So, the mindset of the caregiver to somebody who has mental illness, the mindset is what I want to start with. Sure. First, first, before you talk about the mindset, how did it affect you guys? How, where, how did you guys notice that somebody was wrong? Oh, I and the children, how, how, how did I they noticed, deal with it? I noticed something was wrong yeah. first before the children. Okay. Because we interact a lot. Yeah. I observed, when she said, I would tell her, I thought talk, you are talking gibberish. Yeah. She said, you are the one talking gibberish. <laughs> because I know how we've been together. Sure, sure. So I know something went out of sync. Yes. And I said, let's go and see the doctor. Okay. Immediately, I noticed consistently, I observed that things were not what they ought to be. Yes. She argued a lot about that. Sure. She's a medical person. Yeah, because, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, come on, nothing is wrong with that. Yeah, me. yeah. I said, no. We've got to see the doctor. Maybe I should add here, for any person, any loved one, who has somebody with a mental health, you, there's empathy, there's tough love. Tough law must be upgraded immediately with action. And that action is compelling the inner person to get medical attention. It is not easy to do that because you cannot force an adult in the US into a very plastic methodology. You can't do that. And I would not advise anybody to call 911 in a mental health situation. In other words, they have a law enforcement mindset. They will take your law person to the jail. But there's a system here in the US. Why, why is going to jail wrong? It's because it's demeaning. There you go. It, it adds to the stigmatization exactly. of the ill health. Exactly. So we don't go 911 route. Amen. Go to the legal system, the judiciary, superior court, if for Gwinnett, just at Ministerial Center, explain to the person, to the, that, look, I have a very serious situation in my household. If, if we don't take action right now, something fatal might happen. I need to see the judge. I need to get a warrant. They will convince you to set up an appointment with you then you come back. Now, when you appear before the judge, the judge is going to require somebody other than you because they know that people can frame up one another. So the judge will require somebody who has witnessed the conduct. The judge will probe the individual to know this person is valid. This statement can be corroborated. Did you see this? Did you see that? Who are you, by the way? Gives adequate Answers and the job. There will be no other person in that courtroom 
It's you, the judge, and the official. No other person. It's like when the jail from the judge. The judge gives a warrant to the sheriff's system. The sheriffs come to your, soon as the warrant is given, by the time you turn your eye, two cars, unmarked, not the police one that was show 911, very discreet. They will come around, take your person straight to the medical facility, not to the jail. Amen. So that is important. We must understand how to get help because it gets very heated. You are not sounding right. I'm sounding right. The argument begins. Amen. So you've got to be able to do it. And I wanted to just say, why you must not keep it, you must keep not keep it a secret too much. One or two or three people in your house group, your house fellowship, that's why house fellowship is very important. You need to make some people know, Pastor, you are aware of some of the things. Yeah. But there is another brother of mine. Come in and sit down and see what is happening. Somebody must see. Because to answer the judge, you would have witnessed certain behaviors. So that's basically. And just to broadest his last point, we mentioned this last Sunday when we were ministering. I cannot tell you the place and importance of community. What we are going through right now, personally, in my, in my family, like I told you guys last week, had it not been for the community that we have in place, there is no way we could have managed the situation the way we've managed so far. Don't let the enemy isolate you. That's what he wants to do. To isolate you, to make you feel, oh, well, this is just you. Something's wrong with your father, your mother, some, somebody from the village is shooting missiles, and therefore, keep... No, don't. you need to cry out and spare not. That's what the Bible says. Amen? Because if you don't cry out, you will suffer alone. And that's exactly what the enemy wants. Don't do that. Get into a community, let people know what's going on. When I say people, I'm not talking about CNN or Atlanta Constitution. That's not what I mean by that. Uh, two or three people that you trust, that you know has your back, that you know are godly, that you know have wisdom, not gossipers, not people that tell, carry tears and just broadcast things all over. No, that's not what I mean. You, you need to be selective in the people you commune with. Amen? Amen. So, yeah, let, let me just, okay, good. First question. First question.